0: Funding for The Spark is provided by Capital Blue Cross, focused on creating a healthier future for our communities through innovations like Capital Blue Cross Connect Health and Wellness Centers, which provide in-person services and inspire healthy living. Learn more at CapitalBlueCross.com. The Spark is also supported by UPMC, offering a broad range of cardiac and vascular treatments in our community. More information
1: is available at UPMC.com
0: slash CentralPAHeart. Heart. Welcome to The Spark. I'm Anaya Falcon. According to the CDC, about 1 in 44 children have autism spectrum disorder. And according to the Pennsylvania Bureau of Autism Services, the number of individuals diagnosed with autism disorder has increased. But at the age of 21, many adults living with a disability have difficulty receiving support services. Joining us to discuss a local nonprofit organization that is attempting to address that challenge is Lori Howard, founder and director of A Place for Jacob, and Michelle Miller, grandmother and caretaker of a child living with autism. Lori and Michelle, thank you both so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Thank you for having us.
0: So Lori, tell me a little bit about your nonprofit organization, A Place for Jacob, and why you decided to start it.
2: Well, I have a 28 year old son named Jacob and he's autistic. And as you said, he's aged out of school at 21 and um, services are more difficult to get. But I think that the thing that um, really made me want to do this is that I never felt like he ever had he rarely ever had proper placements in school. And we were told, my husband and I are both in our sixties and we were told if something were to happen to us, Jacob would get put in the first placement that was available. Like you don't get a choice. You can't plan ahead where they're going to go or anything like that. And, you know, I didn't want my son put back in a situation again, where he was going to have an inappropriate placement. And so, you know, we started looking at the idea of Actually, um, purchasing a home and opening a group home for Jacob and maybe two of his peers with typical, you know, levels of functioning, similar levels of functioning, and you know, it's it just all kind of started from that. Um, I think our last, the idea that we're focusing on the most is actually that we will move out of our house and eventually and that that's where jacob will stay and it will be staffed and you know then they will put in some other people who are similar in functioning levels to jacob
0: so what kind of services will be provided at a place for jacob well
2: it will we will most likely be going through one of the other agencies for staffing so you know, it's it's basically they have 24 hour staffing, but they take them out in public to their day programs if they have one or jobs and they go out for activities. Uh, they'll go bowling. And, you know, they the way I understand uh just through one of the groups that I know that I've heard some things about that they go out and do all kinds of things that The residents are interested in and if the resident doesn't want to go out then you know they can stay behind too and the other ones will go out but that again all depends on staffing jacob leaves a leads a really enriched life right now our our lives pretty much focused around him and he has activities pretty much six days out of the seven until we get the summer and then that seventh day is also for the pool so you know he he gets, he has pool memberships. He get, we get Hershey Park tickets, usually take him to Del Grosso in the summer, Del Grosso Park, and, you know, just all kinds of things like that. He's always busy and he's happy. He, he does uh, recreational activities with Easter seals. And the, the home would be the same way. They will take them out to the things that they're interested in.
0: Yeah. You mentioned that Jacob's life is very busy, and I can see that from what you've just shared. Can you just talk to me a little bit about your experience as his caretaker? Well, like I said, it's
2: always difficult to get staffing when they're over 21. And we actually had that difficulty even in school to get the wraparound therapy and stuff to come out to the house because we lived down in the country and they would always say it's too far no one wants to come down there that was one of their reasons um, and then often the staff people would quit sometimes there was no there wasn't much of a notice and or else they just wouldn't show up at times and so most of the the running and everything was on us anyway if he was going to be doing activities and so now you know we had some really really bad experiences with the last agency that we were with that my son actually got in some legal trouble. And that was maybe seven years ago. And from that time on, it's been his dad and, and me taking him. Now he does have a one-on-one person at his job. He, he goes to Shadowfax two days a week and he works on the work floor. He has a one-on-one staff person there who I've actually used for backup in my home. Like if we need somebody, you know, that, but for the most part, it's us. And right now that feels good because of the legal trouble that he had, like I said, in the last, in the last place or, or not placement, but the last staffing that he had. But um, we're getting older and I've had a lot of surgeries and, you know, my husband just turned 67 and Jacob's going to need to get used to other people coming in and we're going to have to have that help.
0: And I don't know if it's always going to be available. Yeah. You mentioned that Jacob had some difficulty uh, when he was placed inappropriately at school. So tell me a little bit about that and how that had an impact on him and how it could affect other kids with a similar or more severe diagnosis. I think that when people look at
2: autism, they look at the big picture and that everyone who's autistic has the same characteristics or qualities or to the same level. And that is not true. If you meet one person with autism, you've met one person with autism. And the problem in school was that the placements were the, Jacob didn't have a lot of behavioral problems in the beginning when he was in school. But then if if there's a, a person in the classroom who is having constant meltdowns, you know, temper tantrums. We had one at one point that would actually pick up the tables and the room dividers and throw them across the room and all the other students would have to be cleared from the room. And Jacob and one of my friend's daughter, they, their year before had been fine. And then the next year when this particular person was introduced to the classroom, they both started having all kinds of behavioral issues. And he didn't want to go to school. He would tell them he was sick and want to go to the nurse. And we'd go in to pick him up and he'd skip out of the building, want to go out for lunch. He wasn't sick. He just wanted out of there. And, you know, it's not a good environment for them to be in all day. But then, you know, they'll mimic that behavior. They'll see
0: that person's doing that. Then they'll do it, too. And it carries over to home. So what are some of the obstacles that you are seeing that adults with autism face when trying to receive these services?
1: Well, Silas is now 14. Um, He was uh, diagnosed with autism at about three and a half. And we've been through uh, many different programs over the years. And honestly, they've done a decent job of putting the programs and support in place for children with autism. But not too many years from now, the behavioral health system is going to find itself overwhelmed and overrun with grown autistic adults with limited to no support and no idea of how to survive and nowhere to go for help. Unfortunately, the uh, programs are very few and far between. The funding is really minimal at best, and the waiting lists are very long, both in names and in the, the time it takes to get approved for help. And um, I worry about Silas because they they took away his uh, TSS support, which means therapy support services person, who would sit with him in the classroom and help him during the day to keep him on task, and that sort of thing. And since he does not have that, I I find that he tends to be um, a little less fo- focused at times. He's doing better as he's gotten older with with the support he does have, and honestly, the school's done a pretty decent job of uh, of guiding him and giving him the support he needs now, but it won't be very long. He'll be at the point where he won't have that. I'm 66, just like Lori. We have the same birth date and uh, all he has is my son. And if anything happens to either of us, we worry very much about the placement for him and what will happen to him. And uh, we don't know what the future will bring. It's a little too soon to tell for sure, but we don't know whether he'll ever be able to drive I'm not sure about that. I think he'll be able to go to school perhaps, but that will require the assistance of the programs that are in in place for children that age out of the system to go to college. They'll need support there, but how do you get it if if the waiting list is so long?
0: Michelle, you mentioned that there are limited services for uh, adults living with autism. I know job coaching is one of the services that um, is available. So, Lori, tell me a little bit about that service and if it's effective or ineffective.
2: Well, Jacob works in a in a workshop. Uh, he doesn't work out in the community. We had to have evaluations for that, and he was deemed that he wasn't, you know, able to do that. Uh, But I have friends whose children are adult children are doing those things. And my understanding is that they offer them a job coach for 90 days. And then after that, they're on their own. And just like Michelle was saying about school when Silas lost his TSS services, these people are not able to focus without someone to guide them a little bit. And, you know, so they're wandering around not doing their jobs and then they lose their jobs. And, you know, that seems to be a big a big thing that a lot of them will have jobs for short periods of time. And then maybe they'll say something inappropriate or, you know, reasons like that. They'll lose those jobs and it becomes more and more difficult to find places who will employ them. And it's my feeling that if there was a little more of the coaching and, you know, not expecting them to do things on their own, that they would be able to be more successful. The way it stands right now, like I just mentioned with Jacob, in order for Jacob to be allowed to stay in the workshop area, he had to have these evaluations to see if he was able to go out and work in the private sector, because if they are, they're not allowed to go to the workshops and like he, he participates in and Jacob didn't pass that evaluation. So he's allowed to stay where he is and he loves it. But if they deem that they're able to go out and work in public, they're not allowed to be a part of programs like Jacob's. Then they're expected to go out and work in public. And, you know, these, Like I said, these parents are so frustrated because they'll have the job for a few months, the coach is gone, and
0: so is their job. Michelle, what do you believe should be in place to make the world a more supportive place for people living with autism?
1: Uh, Well, there's a lot of things that come to mind. Um, First of all, when the the child turns 21 and becomes an official adult, they no longer qualify for the aid that they got through the disability act they can keep medicaid for their health benefits but they no longer cover the autism aid like your therapy service and that sort of thing now you can apply for an autism waiver but there is a 10-year wait list for the waiver with strong possibility the wait could be much longer wow so who covers the cost of the therapist Who covers the cost of transportation services? That's an out of pocket expense for whatever family members or caregivers are left to take care of them. So if they're of age and their uh, family members are gone, then what? Now, there's also the um, Adult Community Autism Program, and they provide a, a holistic approach to integrate behavioral health and the physical health and home and community community community-based supports. But there are 67 counties in Pennsylvania and only four counties in Pennsylvania have this system, Dolphin, Lancaster, Cumberland, and Chester. What about the rest of the counties? There's a lot of gaps there in care. We need funding. We need awareness. We need to push our um, politicians and Congress to do something about it.
0: Michelle, talk to me a little bit about the fear that you have for your grandson when he does become an adult and you're no longer able to care for him in the way that you are.
1: Well, one of the ways it works for us as a family, we live in a a single home with two apartments. We have our own spaces and I we do a tag team kind of system where his dad leaves in the wee hours in the morning for his job. So I get up really early and get him. You know, oversee him getting dressed, medications, breakfast, every, all the supplies for school and everything and get him on the bus. And then his dad gets home right around the same time he does and takes over. And then we have some care arranged for the summer. He goes to a, 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 a um, program called Amazing Kids Club. They have two locations. They're totally nonprofit. There's one in York and there's one in Hanover. He's at the Hanover location. And they do an after-school program a couple nights a week throughout the school year. Then in the summer, they have a day program, and he goes there a couple of days a week. So um, when I go to work, I, I drop him off there, or I will take him over to um, a caregiver that has that helps out until his dad gets off work. But what happens if something happens to me? Who's going to take care of him and make sure that everything's safe and sound and he hasn't lost focus on something? And his dad's at work. It took me four and a half years to teach him not to cross a street without looking both ways. And to this day, he can't remember what you asked him to do for more than about 10 seconds. Uh, We're working on that. But these are the things that you have to worry about is going to affect his well being once he does become an adult. Again, it's too early to tell. He is only 14 and he's doing much better. But it's a slow process he he is a delightful kid he really is and he's very smart much smarter than people really give give him credit for and that's kind of typical with a, a t- autistic kids don't you agree Laurie? yeah that all
2: they, the you know, things that i was told that they jacob wouldn't have empathy especially and all that he does he has all of that and he seems to be very intelligent in his own way he's 28 years old and he likes uh, the hot 20 countdown on one hand and Veggie VeggieTales all the time in my car on the other. So, Lord you know, God. don't always know where he is uh, in his in his thinking and everything. But he's he's smart and he's empath- empathetic and he's just very. He's happy. That's what people say to me. He seems to be happy all the time.
0: Laurie, can you tell me a little bit about your iPads for Autism initiative uh, that you had running a few years ago and how it led into uh, your new uh, nonprofit organization?
2: iPads for Autism um, started out as a project for a class in college, uh, Nonprofit Organizational Effectiveness. And I think i I did. I ran that for two semesters, and I told my husband I was always the kind of parent who was telling them at school, you know, the kids need uh, newer technology. They have computers that are running programs that are so antiquated that you know, running operating systems that they can't run the new programs and everything. And so I, I said to my husband, I think I'm gonna put my seed, try to put my money where my mouth is a little bit and see if I can turn this school project into something real. And we had a very slow start, but then we got a lot of support from York County. We got some uh, very nice grants and we were able to place, I think it was about 130 iPads into most through the IU, some through the schools that aren't IU.
0: Talk to me a little bit about your fundraising event that you have coming up for a place for Jacob.
2: We are having a bowling fundraiser um, on April the 27th at laser alleys in York. Um, it's two hours of unlimited laser tag and bowling. And then we have all kinds of donated raffle items and things like that. And it usually ends up being like a big party Um with a lot of friends coming together and then other new people coming in. Um, We end up with a lot of people from the autism community. Um, And so the bowling alley does specific things for us, like no glow bowling to not trigger seizures, things like that. But we do, we try to do them twice a year, April and October. And so that's what we have coming up April 27th.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure speaking with both of you today. Thank you so much. We've been speaking with Lori Howard, founder and director of A Place for Jacob and Michelle Miller, grandmother and caretaker of a child living with autism. You're listening to The Spark on WYTF, your home for NPR and discovering all things local. I'm Anaya Fulkin.